Good morning, everybody. Woo! What about that worship service? Come on. Look, I don't even know how to act. I don't even know how to act. That was so good. That was so good. I love, love, love our worship team. And, you know, I, this morning was a perfect morning to get here. I got here early this morning. I was watching the team was already here, getting their stuff together. And then watching the people come outside and, and get ready for you to be here. I want to give all of our Sunday morning serve team. Why don't we stand and give our Sunday morning serve team a big hand? Come on. Come on, come on. Come on, they're worthy. Yeah. Awesome. Man, so good this morning. Come over here on this side of me, sweetie. This is my first, only, and forever wife. I do not ever want to date again. Praise God for that. Matter of fact, I was having a conversation, I think it was Allison yesterday, we was talking about um, internet dating. I was like, man, I, I mean, I don't know, I better not even say what I think about that. <laughs> I better just move on. All right, move along. Just, just a thought. Just a thought. Just a thought. Just a thought. But it's weak. All right, so uh, I, I want my wife, we're going to start today, we'll be talking about marriage today and talking about relationships today. And I want my wife to tell you a story about the first year we were married. All right? So uh, it's a funny story. So I'm going to cue it up because I didn't tell her what I was going to have her tell, but I'm going to just give her a little something and see if she can go with it. All right? I never warn her about these things because she'll say I'm not doing it. But if I, don't give her, if I don't give her any warning, like, hey, you're going to go up there in a few minutes. I told her just while Michelle was finishing up. So... Learned some stuff in 26 years. <laughs> so, 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 um, I came home from work one day and you'd cook supper. There could be two avenues I could go with this, but uh, <laughs> depends on the t the the first time that I that I cooked potato soup for you and you came home for lunch and you said, "Okay, really, is that all?" It was like one bowl. Of potato soup, raised in a house of girls, and I didn't get it. Yeah, like but no, I'll... like one small <laughs> bowl. Of, it wasn't even a great appetizer. Yeah, so, it was good, just wasn't enough. Okay, so but I know what story he wants us to tell. So growing up, my mom had made this meal, and okay, so we're wait. First... Have your mom stand so we'll know yes. who we're talking about. Okay. Come on, stand, so... mom. <laughs> okay, Mimi. Stand up, pop. Stand up, pop. <laughs> How long y'all been married? Okay, we've learned a lot. <laughs> 52 years right there. All right. Okay, so this is year one of marriage, maybe six months in. We're poor as dirt, right? Y'all been there, done that. So um, I had decided to make this meal that my mom had made on occasion, and there were hot dogs in the freezer, so therefore this should be a meal, and I didn't want to just serve hot dogs. So I made this meal called Creole Franks. <laughs> They're basically some hot dogs cut up, drowning in like a tomato base, and you eat it over rice, and you can pick that up. But let me there. tell you what they look like. <laughs> I walked in, and I took the lid off the pan, and it looked like little octopuses floating around in tomato gravy. They were like, I was like, 
what is that? She said, Creole Franks. I was like, mm, that's a nice word for nothing. Needless to say, that was not eaten by him. That has never been resurrected again. And, and occasionally he'll say, mm, Creole Franks. And I know that meal's not happening again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, another funny thing that happens is that we learned that if I call home and I say, uh, what's for dinner? And if it's spaghetti or... Spaghetti or it's um, red beans and rice or it's sloppy joes. He is not... He suddenly has a meeting with someone else. <laughs> well, I, f- I forgot to tell you this, I have a dinner meeting tonight. Yes. <laughs> and the funny thing the about steakhouse. this is... Guess who does not eat red beans and rice, spaghetti, and sloppy joes? My son-in-law. So if I text that I'm having any of those, he suddenly is not coming for me. Now I have someone to meet with. (laughs) Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. We got someone to meet with for sure. So, yeah. Thank you, honey. You're amazing. I will tell you something, though. This is the honest-to-God truth. She is the best cook ever, and she cooks some good groceries, and so, uh, and I, lo- I love her cooking, and uh, I- I- I'm going to go ahead and tell you a little funny story on my mother-in-law, too. When we first got married, and of course, Jeff, Jeff back there in the back, what, stand up, Jeff. Jeff, yeah, right. that's my brother-in-law. He's married to Rachel, my sister-in-law, Rachel, stand up. We want everybody to know who the family is. All right, that's Angel's sister. So when we first got married, we would go over to my mother-in-law's house for dinner. And it was the same thing with the, tomato, with the potato soup. She would, like, cook a casserole in a pan about this big for six of us. And I was like, hey. So me and Jeff just started bringing our own food. When we got invited, it was like, you cook the appetizer, and we'll bring some more groceries to eat. But, but over the years, she's learned that, too. She cooks big spreads, and we go over and we eat. She, she, she couldn't even imagine how two human beings could eat that kind of groceries. But we were still growing boys back in those days. Matter of fact, we're still growing boys. <laughs> so anyway, listen. Listen, I, I, I know that what I'm going to talk about today has, has some, has some there's some people in the room. You've been married. You've been divorced. You, you want to be married. You haven't been married yet. And, and I, I just want to get real with you today. I want to get real with you, and I want to talk to you about, in our series, we're talking about vows, and this is around our Valentines. And I, as I began to prep this, I realized that I was going to need two Sundays to do this because I, I have too much material. So uh, I, I, I'm going to be finishing this up next week. But does anybody remember the four words from last week that are in the definition of vow? Does anybody remember? Anybody remember? Come on, shout them out. Promise, commitment, oath. Okay, but there were four particular words that I used, promise, commitment, service, and declaration. Let's say those together. Promise, commitment, service, and declaration. I want you to remember those things. Maybe write them down somewhere. Promise, commitment, service, and declaration. Um, You know, when we talk about traditional marriage, um, I don't even know if we define marriage anymore as traditional. As a matter of fact, most of the weddings that I do these days, people do not want to do traditional vows. 
they want to write their own or they want them different and they don't want to say a plighty my troth or whatever that is so <laughs> so uh, but anyway the plate and the trough or something I don't know <laughs> so uh, but I want to read to you today from a very traditional traditional style of way uh, services um, we're going to call it John Doe and John and Jane Doe so uh, Jane Doe, uh, John Doe, will you have this woman to be your wedded wife to live together in holy, sacred matrimony? Will thou love her, comfort her, honor her, keep her in sickness and health, forsaking all others, keeping thee only unto her so long as you both shall live? And then the, the woman repeats that as well and follows up by I will or I do. Uh, then it goes on to, to the marriage vows. Uh, I, John Doe, take Jane to be my wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death us do part. Thereunto I plight thee my faith. And then with the wedding rings, it says, The wedding ring is the outward invisible sign of an inward and spiritual bond with units unites two loyal hearts into endless love. Now, these are the things that we hear at a traditional marriage and the vow taken. It goes on to talk about of this is my marriage vow. So if you take those words and we put them into promise, commitment, service, and declaration. Now, I could have had you laughing probably about some stories that me and Angela have gone through. And, um, you know, I tell this often that Angela's only said, I've only heard her say one cuss word in 26 years of marriage. And that was because she was so mad at me, it just slipped out. <laughs> I mean, I've never heard her say another bad word in 26 years of marriage. And I guess I can make anybody cuss. <laughs> but, but the funny part about that is, is, is that in marriage, we have things that we can remember that make us laugh, both good and bad. And Angela and I have not had a perfect marriage. We've not had a perfect marriage. As a matter of fact, uh, I remember... Uh, the first year we were married, I had a, a friend of ours take Angela and I, take me to dinner, to lunch, which was not unusual. He was a friend. And we were sitting on the porch of Red Robin in Denver, Colorado, and looking at the mountain range. And we had a little small talk. And then I saw him get very serious. And he said, Marvin, I want to talk to you about something. He said, uh, you're very disrespectful to your wife. And I said, you know, my first thought was, no, I'm not. I don't feel disrespectful to my wife. And he said, I want to help you with something. He said, in public, you always point out that she don't do things the way you think she ought to do them. And there were some things that were true about that. Like, I remember the first time I saw Angela wash my clothes, I just came unwound because she put all my clothes my jeans in the washing machine, and then she poured powder 
soap over the top of them, and I just lost it. And I said, you got to dilute the soap before you put the jeans in there because that soap is going to be all up in my jeans, and it's going to break me out, and you can't do that that way. I was very particular back in those days about my clothes. I could go on and on about that. But uh, uh, even this couple of this past week when we were together, uh, I was, I may, you know, she's got that down, but Michelle had washed some stuff that we were hanging out together, at some, and, and she didn't dilute it. And guess what? When they pulled the sheets out, all that soap was not diluted in there. I said, see, I'm right. Don't you like it when you're right? But there's a lot of things I was wrong about. And one of the things I was mostly wrong about is making my comments about what I was right in front of other people about. You know that you can be right and 100% wrong? I'm going to say that again because y'all need some help with that. You can be right and 100% wrong. Being right doesn't make you right if you're wrong. All right? If you want the whole world to know you're right, you're already wrong. So, because you know what? It's not about me being right. It's about us being together. And so what's got us through 26 years of marriage is this one word. And what do y'all think that is? Huh? Shout it out. Forgiveness. That's the word. That's the word. And let me tell you something. There's another word, though, that I want to tell you that I, want, I, I, want, I don't want to leave out today. And I'm going to spell it for you. W-O-R-K. Because marriage is work. And if you don't like work, don't get married. And don't have kids for God's sake. Just be like the Apostle Paul. It'd be better that you're not married. And deal with it. There's children in the room, so I won't go any further than that. But don't get married. Don't get married. And I'm serious about that. If you don't want to work toward this commitment that you're making, then don't get married. Can I get a better amen? amen. <laughs> Let me read to you in Genesis 2 so we can make this spiritual. <laughs> then the Lord said, it's not good that a man should be alone. How many of you agree with that? Come on. How many of you sometimes wanted to be alone, though? Whoa, 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 whoa. We've got to be truthful in here. How many, at times after you were married, decided being alone is not so bad? The Bible also says it's better to be on the rooftop than in the house with a nagging woman. This is in the Bible. I didn't say it. You're mad about it? Go read your Bible. I didn't say it. It's in the Bible. All right? That's a good word. I will make him a helper fit for him. Everybody say helper. helper. Let me help you women out just a little bit. Not the queen of Sheba, a helper. Now, should you treat your wife like a queen? 100%. Should they act like one? I'm not so sure. Because they're created to be a helper. Not a diva, a helper. Now, out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens 
and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Everybody say authority. God has given mankind authority. So much authority that God said, look, I'm going to create them, you name them. That's important to what I'm talking about today. And whatever the man called the living creature, that is the name. And man gave names to all the livestock and to all the birds of the heavens, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up this pl- its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this is at last as bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. And therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Matthew 19, verse 4, Passion Translation. Haven't you read the scriptures about creation? Jesus replied. The Creator made us male and female from the very beginning, and for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and live with his wife, and the two will become one flesh from then on, and they are no longer two, but united as one. So what God has united, let no one divide. I'm going to say that again. What God has united, let no one divide. And here's a little side note. Be careful, be careful who you allow into your marriage conversation. Now, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be somebody in your life that you need to go talk to when life is difficult. You need that. But it's not at the office place where everybody don't really care, but they're glad to hear the gossip. Because they will speak things to you that will divide what God has united. Amen? Amen? So don't go to school, church, friends, and just vent and bring everybody into your marriage conversation because you won't find wisdom nor counsel there. I know a lot of men and women both do this. They get in a bad situation. They find whatever their opposing man or woman, they gather a group of women together and they start talking and man bashing. And all of a sudden, you entertain a spirit that's not of God, or vice versa. Men do it too, by the way. And then you start talking about these things, and you create an atmosphere that's not godly. First of all, if you're struggling in your marriage, I want you to go to Proverbs and begin to read. When you read Proverbs, don't read Proverbs to find out what your wife or your husband needs to do, read Proverbs to find out what you need to do. I don't know if you've ever came to me for marriage counseling, but if you have, this is one thing you've heard. You cannot change your spouse. Angela's been trying for 26 years. Hadn't worked. Not one time. Everything that's ever changed in my life is because I recognized it needed to be changed 
Or I had someone take me and sit me on a porch and say, you don't treat your wife right. And I let an elder speak into my life, and I said, I will do something about that. She's never changed me. As a matter of fact, when she tries to change me, I resist, and vice versa. Because we do not change because people want us to change. We change because we know that it's the right thing to do. Anybody with me this morning? I'm doing mass marriage counseling right here. I hope you all are all listening. Do not call me later on this week. I'm just kidding. (laughs) We change because we are on our face before God, and we say, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew in me a right spirit. And he loves marriage, so he changes us and brings us into alignment with his purpose. Can I get better? Amen. Amen. I don't know why I said that, but it was good. So God created Adam so that Adam, let's just think about why God created man. He created Adam so that Adam could be with him. He created Adam to walk with him in the cool of the day because we know that when Adam and Eve uh, ate of the tree, what did God say? They said they heard the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they were afraid. So this was not the first time that Adam and Eve had experienced walking with God in the cool of the day. They knew what that sound was like. But, But because they had sinned, they wanted to run away. So God created, initially created Adam for him, to have conversation with him. And he never created Eve so that Eve would become Adam's God. Are y'all with me this morning? Pause for a moment. Let me give you another good nugget. If you're married, want to be married, thinking about getting married, want to get married again, think about this. Your spouse can never become your God. If your spouse is your God, you will always be empty, void, and troubles on the way. Good word, Pastor. God has to be your God. He has to be your purpose. He has to be your plan. And when God's not in your relationship, trouble's not coming, trouble is here. So God is first in our lives. I love my wife dearly. But she's not my God. She's not my God. There's only one God in my life. But because I have Christ in my life, I have Christ in my marriage. You can't have Christ in your marriage or in your relationship, or in your dating, if he ain't first in your life. He's not a secondary. I'm trying to think of the right word. He's not a, yeah, that's good, uh, 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 not a substitute, but an add-on. Can't think of the word, but that's not what he is. Accessory, thank you. Him, her, God. This is how we have to look at our relationship 
when we are understanding what God has put together, let no man put asunder. In our, in our selfishness, we have made relationships like everything else. What's in this for me? What, 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 what's in this for me? We get married, we think about, okay, well, I, I'm, I'm dating Susie, Johnny, whoever it is, and I want to know what's in this for me. What am I going to get out of this? Let me help you with that today. I told you this was going to be drilling deep today. It really shouldn't be what is in this for me. It's what am I in this for them for? What value do I add to their life? If you'll always think about what value you add to their life, that will always come back to the value that they have for your life. But oftentimes in our marriage relationship, we think that it's different than that. And so we go through our marriage relationship with all of what is in it for me. What's in it for me? And so we, we, we think we know. You know, everybody thinks that the number one problem in marriage is, is sexual infidelity that leads to the most divorce. How many would think that that would be the number one thing? It's not the number one thing. They polled over 100 experts to see what the top reasons people who did marriage counseling and, 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 and was constantly working with people in marriage, and they polled over 100 of those people to find out what is the number one thing that causes divorce. And I'm going to read to you the top 10 things. Getting in it for the wrong reason. Getting into marriage for the wrong reasons. And I can add a whole bunch of what the wrong reasons are, but I'll let you fill in the blanks. Marrying for money. We've heard this is the ticket to the quickest way to get divorced if you're married for money. I'm going to tell you something. That's not what me and Angela got married for. <laughs> we got married because there was no money. And, and, and many divorced women who say the problem was made when they leave their, their, and they got into the marriage for the wrong thing, and they expected us to live happily ever after, and we had already spent too much money on the wedding and had already built a dream home. So I remember, oh, Lord, we are already in trouble because we have already wasted what we had. Marrying for the wrong reason. Number two, a lack of individual identity. Now, I'm going to tell you, when I read this, now, this is secular. This didn't come from a... Christian magazine, this is secular. A lack of individual identity. Come back up here real quick, baby. I should have had more board here. Let me erase this real quick. If you want to know how much being an angel I like, let me help you. Zero. a fact. When we, take a, uh, when we take the personality test, she's as far that way as I am that way. And for years, that caused a lot of problems in our life because we didn't agree on much of anything. We agreed on, but here's what we agreed on. We agreed on, we both had a relationship with God. We agreed on mostly how to raise our kids, and we agreed that we were going to be committed to the end. And there were some times I was like Jerry Cloward, shoot up here and give one of us some relief. 
But I'm going to tell you something. You, your, your differences can be the very thing that makes you great. Or it can be an enemy. It depends on how you choose them. But here's what I love about this. For many years, I tried to get Angela to be like me in every way. Like, I bought her clothes because I thought I knew how to dress her better than she knew how to dress herself. True story. I told her how to cook. I, ta- I told her how to clean. I told her how to vacuum the floor. I don't know why I ever told her that because she, don't, she still vacuums for hours on end. <laughs> now I'm trying to teach her not to vacuum the floor. I, to- I mean, I was, just, I was just wanted this idea, even in worship. I was, you know, this exuberant dance, jump up and down. Woo, come on, Jesus! You know, I don't do that too much more. I'm too old, but I'm jumping inside. Just can't get my body to react. <laughs> and I remember times I used to get her and say, come on, dance with me. And she remember one time she said, if you do that again, I'm going to embarrass the tar out of you in front of everybody. I don't worship that way. <laughs> and thank God, through 26 years of marriage, I've learned that it's okay to be who we are. And there's nothing wrong with who she is. She's amazing just like she is. She does not need to change for me, and I don't need to change for her because God created us with our own identity, our own identity. And because, because we are, we're so far apart, but here's what I've learned over the years, that in the early days, it felt like we were divided. It felt like there was a division between us. But now we understand because of our differences we have this amazing together, uh, together, we have this amazing peripheral view. Before, I was like, she don't even see what I see. But now I'm understanding in partnership, fit, helper, I better open my ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. And Brother Wayne Austin says it like this, the Holy Ghost wears a skirt. When God gives you a woman in your life or a man in your life, the two of you become that person that God created with the peripheral vision to see what God is doing. She sees differently than mine. And I remember, I won't get into a long conversation. I can tell you story after story. But I remember one time, and she's not ever, stay here, she's not ever judged people. That is not, you will never hear Angela talk about people, ever. She just don't. And I love that about her. But I remember a, a, a youth pastor that came behind us, and I remember Angela meeting this youth pastor, and we were not even living in town in those days, and we were just, she just met this youth pastor. We were just coming through town, and we got in the car, and she said, something's wrong with him. I was like, whoa, that's odd coming out of your mouth. She goes, no, I just know. I just know there's something wrong there. Long story short is, is that this young man did have some very serious character problems in his life that created a lot of problems with those young people he was leading. Now, personally, I did not pick that up. Thank God for peripheral. And we talk about a woman's sixth sense. Sometimes it's just the Holy Spirit speaks to them differently than us, and we think logically, and they let that emotion be touched, and God says, this is this. And we better learn to listen. 
I was going to hire a young lady one time, and my wife said, absolutely not. You're not hiring her. I said, why? She says, I'm telling you, I don't know, but I know, and you're not hiring her. <laughs> and guess what? She was right again. We have to learn that God put Adam with Eve to work together to accomplish the will of God for both of their, li both of their lives, but together. Are you with me? So there can't be division. There has to be solitude, single-minded, single heart. That doesn't mean that you lose your identity. If you think that means you lose your identity, you're already lost because God created you differently. So we go back to this, back, back to this thing. This is him. This is her. This is God. Thank you, baby. I might call you back up here. Should have just got you a stool. This is God. And, and what happens is, is when, our, when we have our God first in our life, everybody say God first. When we put God first in our life, we start approaching the things of God from our own identity. So here's some other things that causes divorce. Becoming lost in our roles. Who am I? What's my purpose? What am I here for? So I've heard men say this. Oh, man, my wife don't work. You can call her. I had a guy tell me one time, call my wife. She don't work. She can help you. I said, don't she have three children under the age of four or five? Your wife don't work? Let me help you men out a little bit. If you say that, you're dumb. I got one hand clap over there. You're just dumb to say my wife don't work. The hardest job I've ever done is when my wife was working and I was homeschooling three kids. Hardest, hardest nine months of my life. I'd rather dig a ditch from here to China. I was about to lose my mind. So when a man tells me, oh, my wife don't work, call her. She could do it. She don't do nothing but sit around, eat bonbons, watch soap operas. I'm like, well, you try that for a few months there, buddy, and see how it works out for you. But what happens is, is we begin to get out of our roles because we think or we don't understand or we don't listen to what our spouse is doing. This one right here told me one time, she said, Dad, when are you going to get a real job like Mom? I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> she says, Mom puts on a uniform and goes to school. She puts, um, goes to work. She puts a nursing uniform on. I said, oh, so I don't have a uniform, so I don't have a real job. <laughs> Perception. <laughs> Perception. All you do, Dad, is talk to people all day. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Go to lunch four times a day. <laughs> Life is wonderful. <laughs> because we don't understand people's roles, and so we want to change who they are. Instead of understanding who they are, so we can work together for the common good. Am I making any sense this morning? Okay. Number five. 
Number four, we have lost to having a shared vision of success. We get caught up in ourselves. This is all about me. It's about my success. It's about what I want. It's about where I'm going. It's about how you benefit me. The truth of the matter is, it's not about you. It's about them. Jesus taught us the greatest example. When he washed the disciples' feet, he said, I'm teaching you something that's a lasting lesson you're going to serve. And when you serve your spouse, guess what? Miracles take place. Guys, if you want close, intimate relationship with your wife, I'm going to say this PG. I wish there was, I could say a little stronger, but don't come home and set your tail on the couch after both of you have been working all day and let her wash dishes and clean the floor. And then you lay up and wait for her to come to the bedroom and be romantic. Let me help y'all out. That's stupid. Don't be dumb. Get the, vacuum the floor. She'll get to the bedroom faster. Wash the dishes. You say, well, pastor, is this spiritual? Yes, this is spiritual. Let me tell you why it's spiritual. Because so many people live a divided life because they will not help each other fulfill their vision. And so we got one person working for their vision, another working for their vision, and guess what's happening? Nothing. Nothing's happening. And before long, the one goes and does their vision, and the other goes to do their vision, and the family's divided. I'm preaching better than you're amening. I told you I wasn't going to finish this. That's why I didn't plan to finish. I'm going to quit in a few minutes. And what happens is the number fifth reason divorce happens is intimacy disappears. There's no intimacy in the marriage. Let me tell you something, guys. Guys, we have to learn how to be romantic. I had a... I had a lady tell me one time that I was counseling. She says, I wish my husband was like you. You're so romantic. I was thinking, if you knew how I am not romantic, <laughs> here's the deal. I have this advantage. I've been listening to a bunch of women talk about what they would like to get from their husbands, and I just use that stuff. Because <laughs> I'm not dumb. I wasn't born romantic, I can promise you. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I'm pretty doggone selfish, actually. I work on not being selfish. This is truth. Guys, we want our wives to be, be intimate with us in relationship with us. Let me tell you, romance starts at washing the dishes. Conversation. <laughs> Sharing the load. And, and listen, I, 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 most of our family, I, I doubt very few people in here that are married or are, are not married, I doubt very few of y'all do not work in the public. And the ones that are not working in the public are mothers of stay-at-home moms who are working in their CEO and CFO of their household. And we treat them like they just the sister. 
Oh, boy, I'm about to preach up in this house. Listen, they were paying the bills. They're running everything. They're taking care of you. They're cooking your meals, and they're washing your dirty underwear. Treat them like they're queens with respect and honor and help them. Help them, and your intimate life will be fantastic. Well, praise God. Number six, unmet expectations. Somewhere it's written in the human genetic code to lie, to lie for the instruction that when I am personally, when I'm personally isn't happy, he or she is supposed to force his significance to make changes to require, that requires me to make them ha- a happy person again. And this unusually takes the form of complaining, blaming, criticizing, nagging, threatening, punishing, and putting down on one another. You know that old saying when we grow up, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? That is a lie. You can hit me with a stick, I'll heal. You hit me with a word, I'll carry it. Words are powerful. The Bible says life and death is in the power of the what you say, you will reap. Boy, I've reaped. I have. How's that word? I've reaped a lot of stuff. I have sown some seed. And here's the important thing about that is, is now after 26 years of marriage, I can even hint towards something, and it pulls back a scar of something that had happened 20-something years ago, and it resurrects it because of a word that was spoken. And that word maybe been something that you didn't even intend to be so hurtful, but it wasn't watchful. You know, as a man, I'm like, Dude, I'm, I mess with my wife and my kids. I'm going to beat you down. I've, I used to say stupid stuff when I was younger. Like, hey, you can talk about me. I used to tell this. I don't know why I used to say this. I guess it was just because I needed everybody to know I was tough. You can talk about me, but if you talk about my wife and kids, I'm going to lay hands on you. There won't be prayer. <laughs> you know, I'm a man. Took care of my family. And then go home and yell and scream and holler at them. You're not the problem. I was the problem. We can act all big and masculine and we're going to protect our families and then say a word that destroys them. Both men and women. Be careful with your words. Your words are powerful. Your words are powerful. What time is it? Number seven, finances. I don't have to talk too much about that. You know what that is. I got bills spread out on my desk right now. Finances, yay. Being out of touch. Being out of touch, literally, just being completely out of touch. Somebody has quit. Somebody left the dance. Just completely out of touch. Don't even have a clue. Be careful that when you go to the dance, you both show up. You're both there. Different priorities and interest, number nine. 
And last but not least is the inability to resolve conflict. And I'm going to stop right there for a minute. Every relationship, whether marriage or children, has conflict or friend. Conflict does not have to end in separation. Conflict is good. Communication is key. I will have Audrey order a two cases of books this week called Keep Your Love On. They will be for sale next Sunday. Bring, is it 15 bucks I think is what they are? Something like that. Bring 15 bucks with you to church next Sunday. And I want you to buy every person in here, whether you're married or not married, I want you to buy and read Keep Your Love On. Because we need to learn how to communicate. And then you're going to get to sit down. And I've even used this with my staff. Because we don't learn how to communicate, therefore we don't communicate. Angela and I was riding down the road a few months ago, and, and she said, you never hold my hand in public. And I wanted to say, yes, I do. <laughs> and I thought about it a little bit. She says, you never hug me in public. You, you never show me affection publicly. Oh, baby, I'm sorry. <laughs> and she may be right, because I don't think about that too much. I do now. <laughs> but I said to her, I said, well, you never tell me how good I am. You never brag on me. She goes, ah, oh, words are pointless. <laughs> Here's the problem with that. Her love language is touch. My love language is affirmation. Do, 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 does anybody, does everybody here know what your love language is? There's a little quiz you can do. You can just Google this. A little short quiz, 20 questions, love language, five love languages. Just Google it because you know what? Oftentimes we don't know what our love language is, and so we're expecting from somebody that we're not getting, but we're not telling them what we need. Do I look good today? Come on, baby. You know what she used to say to me? This, this is just growing up. Just, we just learned how to be married. I used to say, baby, I'd always say, baby, man, you're looking good today. Baby, you're looking, oh, girl, you hot. Oh, girl, you fine. Oh, girl. Nothing in No, never said nothing back. And I'd say, hey, well, how do I look? I don't need to tell you how you look. You already think enough of yourself. I've been fishing for an hour for some affirmation, baby. And the funny thing about it is, is when we get in the car, we don't ride together to church anymore, but when we used to ride together, we'd get in the car, and she'd tell me everything I needed to say that I said wrong, but never tell me when, man, you killed it today. Well, thanks for the affirmation. Bah! But we've learned. We're learning. We're learning. We still don't have this together, people. And I'm using my story, but y'all are all listening because you got a story that you're hearing while I'm talking about this. I hear, I hear like all these words in the air. You have your own story. 
You have your own story. And you need to know what your partner's love language is. You need to know what your kid's love language is. We sat down and did our, last month, we sat down with our kids and we did our planning for the year. We set our goals. In the middle of that, I stopped them after we did all our little writing on our little page. And I said, okay, we're going to do the quiz about love language. And they were like, why are we doing that? That's weird. I said, no, let's get our phones out. Everybody had a little iPhone out. I said, let's Google this and let's take our little test. So we took our little test and found out that four out of my five kids is quality time. Four out of five is quality time. So you know what it said to dad? Spend more time. It's that dad's his affirmation. So what I do is, oh girl, you look good today. Oh girl, you did good on your test. Oh girl. And they're like, whatever. Come hang out with me. Yeah, let's go, let's let's just chill together. Let's watch a movie together. Holly's this acts of service. So I need to do something that makes her feel validated. Are y'all with me today? Yes. So it's not just in your marriage, it's in the relationship with your people. What about the people you work with every day? I know it's a little awkward to go ask them what their love language is, <laughs> but pay attention <laughs> to people around you. Because you know whatever their love language is, they're doing to you. If they're bringing you coffee and they're, and, they're, and they're bringing you donuts and they're bringing you gifts, that's their love language. Go buy them a gift. Mm. We're talking about commitment. All right. So let me get back to this and then I'm going to let y'all go. So what really makes a marriage work or a relationship work or even with our kids is when we remove the dividing wall. There's a dividing wall between us that's unsaid. And the way you remove the dividing wall is you become more intimate with God. When you know who you are, what God created you to be, then you begin to move toward that purpose that God created you for. And she moves toward that purpose of which God created you for. Then we go back to Genesis 1, and God created, and God formed Eve to be a helpmate to Adam. And the two, as they advanced, became one. You can never become one always being about yourself. You become one about fulfilling the destiny that God's called you into. If you got lines drawn in the sand, and you're saying, hey, I ain't, you, I'm not giving this up. I'm not giving this up. I went to my wife one time, and I, again, some things have been brought to my attention by my father. Listen, you better have counsel in your life. Sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees, and that's why it's great to have elders in our life, because they can speak into your life, because your life gets too busy. You're just going through the motions of life sometimes, and you forget, and you don't see well. Your vision's off. My dad called me one time. He said, hey, look, I'm going to talk to you. And he shared something with me, and I, I recognized something. And I, I went to my wife, and I said, listen, I, want, I got on my knees, first of all, and I apologized. And I'm going to get into this more next week about the power of forgiveness. 
People do not fall out of love. They fall out of forgiveness. If you're too arrogant and too big and too proud to say, I'm sorry, your relationship is over already. Now, you heard me say a few weeks ago something I've never said in the pulpit. There's time in, the, in a relationship, time to go on, move on. You're done. Just move on past it. You come to that place, it's finished, it's over with, there's no need wallowing in the pain of that. But if you're going to move on, you still have to forgive. How many has ever come and talked to me about moving on? And I've told you, you can move on, but you still have to forgive. Because if you don't forgive, the baggage that you're carrying now is going with you where you're going. And you'll jump out of the skillet into the fire. Can I get a better amen? What was I saying before I got off on that? Something real important. <laughs> what? Lines in the sand. When you put lines in the sand and you say, look, I'm not giving this up. Go stand over there, babe. I'm not giving this up. I am not. I am not. I'm not giving this up. This is who I am. I'm not giving it up. Guess what? Those lines in the sand are keeping you from coming together. You have to be willing to change. You got to start walking toward change. I'm going to give up this because what's more important is that we become one. We become one. And let me tell you something. I do things in marriage that I don't like doing. Matter of fact, sometimes when I'm doing them, I'm thinking, why am I doing this? And then I remember why I'm doing it. It ain't because it's going to get dark in a little while either, all you dudes. It's because I love this woman. And there's a scripture that says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loves the church. And he laid down his life. You will not find a scripture in the Bible that tells women to love their husbands. It's not in the Bible. You know why it's not in the Bible? Because here's a fact. Women are designed to love their husbands, and they will love them, and they will love them they will love them passionately when they feel protected and they feel like they're covered and that man's laid down their life. Now, I'm going to get into some stuff. If you don't want to like, you're not going to like this next week, I'm going to go ahead and warn you so you don't have to come. You stay home and watch TV. <laughs> I'm going to get into some, some of that stuff a little deeper next Sunday. That's why we have become so separated and so selfish And so divided. Because now we're not willing to lay down our lives. And here's what marriage is. I'll leave you with this. This is what marriage is. This is what relationships are. But look, let me just take marriage out of it for a minute. This is what relationships are. Husbands, friends, siblings, kids. Relationships are willing to serve others greater than yourself.
That's what Jesus said, and that's what Jesus too did, and so that's what we must do. So I'm going to talk to you next week about what's love got to do with it. (laughs) That's my title for next week, what's love got to do with it. What's love got to do with it? Do y'all love me? I love y'all. Stand.